So hello, everybody. Welcome to Isamizu Global Conscious Awareness, and we're expanding awareness to improve your life. So we like, we're passionate about improving awareness to bridging ancient wisdom and modern science with the knowledgeable expert to balance body, mind, and spirit. I'm Dr. Isabel. I'm Dr. Jun. <laughs> and we have here Dr. Dave. He's a chiropractor. So tell us a little bit about you and, and, and what you do. And your story, how you got there, how uh, you become that expertise what you do. <laughs> sure. The, so I, I'm a chiropractor. I graduated from Palmer Chiropractic College in, in 1990, and I became licensed in Washington State in 1991. Uh, my The first place I practiced, um, the... The uh, the doctor I practiced with was 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 a healer. He really knew what he was doing. And uh, one day he brought me into the exam room, uh, into one of the adjustment rooms, and he he had one of his assistants standing over there, and he said he said, uh, "So what do you see?" And I said, uh, "I see, you know," and I named her name. And he goes, "No, no, what do you see?" And I said. Uh, I said, I, I see, you know, once again, I said her name again. And he goes, no, no, no. Do you see anything on her field, on her field? I'm like, yeah, I see holes here, here, and here. He goes, do you, do you know what to do about that? And I said, I have no idea. And he goes, would you like me to teach you? I said, absolutely. I'd love for you to teach me. And so that kind of began the journey of, of incorporating what I saw with structure and what I saw energetically on the person's body. Um, and so that's kind of the starting point. Um, and over over the years, um, I here's one thing I always found that was interesting. If a person, like in a car accident, person gets in a car accident, their their flexibility, their strength, everything has come along good, and all of a sudden they'll hit a point where where they they um, have pain, but you cannot verify it on any of the tests you have. So you sit there and you say, okay, do they really have the pain? Are they making it up? Is there a way to find out what's going on? And what I found is that the weakness precedes the pain every single time. It's a 100% rule. Weakness will precede the pain. It's just that we have to find the weakness. And, and from there, I found that there were certain patterns of weakness that you could check with the body in, in different positions. And because we're not static, most of our tests are done static when really we're, we're moving all around in our environment. So the test has to be more dynamic to really see what's happening. And um, and I found sure enough, the weakness precedes the pain 100% of the time. It's just that we have to find the weakness. That's all. That's amazing. So you see there, the energy field and where yeah. those imbalances, where that stagnant energy is. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, here's something that's interesting. Um, the you know you can look deeper in that morphogenic field and 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 see it's, it's like it reminds me of the Russian dolls. You know that where you take one doll off and you got another another. It's the same kind of concept. So what is what the body wants to prioritize in that moment is what's on the surface. And so whatever's on the surface, then we address that reflex point. Be it we need to work the fascia, they need adjustment, they need nutrition. Um, they need forgiveness. Something in there is, is making that being blocked. Uh, once that clears out, then the next one shows up. And then we work on that. And so we just follow the body. Here's one thing I found that was really interesting is that our bodies are so organized 
they disorganize in an organized manner. Even what looks chaotic is absolute precise organization. It's totally precise. And in fact, as our bodies let go and they heal, they will heal in a very, very, very precise pattern, in a predictable pattern and a predictable roadmap. So that's beautiful, isn't it? As the body is so unique and intricate between, you know, yeah. the mind and energy, the emotion, the physical, you know, also woven together, right? So some oh, of yeah. you take the one peels out, the other thing shows up. You know, mm-hmm. this way, you know, knowledgeable experts, how we can see those things, not just one dimensional way, isn't it? Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, for example, a person with a post-traumatic stress disorder, I was just reading in the, the New York Post this morning about Tina Turner. So she's 80 years old. She's still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from her first marriage, from abuse in her first marriage. Wow. And she's done a lot of things. And she talked about forgiveness, you know, how that was so important for the healing was forgiveness. And so when people forgive that, that they're letting it out of the heart, they're letting it out of their head, but they don't realize their body's still holding on to it. The body is the slowest to let go of it. And that's where a lot of that, that post-traumatic stress likes to hold in the system because the body hasn't let go of it. And uh, do, do you mind if I go on? Yes, yes please. absolutely. So, uh, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Um, so there was a patient um, years back who uh, she came in one day and she was referred in for an orientation. We were talking about what, what we did in the office. And I noticed that she had rage. She, her system was just full of rage. I mean, just it was so much it would repel people around her. But I realized that rage was not a part of her. It was something that was embedded her in her, but it was not really the real her. You know, that wasn't who she really was. And, and so we started working on emotional layers and, and getting things more freed up. She, she uh, had a, a fibromyalgia, very bad fibromyalgia, to where she literally had to go around on a scooter and had to be driven to two appointments. And uh, she, as we we're working on her, one day she came in and she goes, it was really interesting. She goes, I feel this rage and it's interesting. Where is it coming from? She had no idea the rage was there. Even though everyone else could feel it, she had no idea it was there. And, and I said, all right, this is good. Now you're noticing that. And so that day, as we worked on her, that rage, it just left. It wasn't there anymore. It was gone. It was totally gone. And so long story short, she went from being in a, in a you know, sco- scooter, you know, having to be you know, with, with pain from head to toe, uh, seriously contemplating suicide because of the chronic pain and just misery she was feeling, to being totally freed up, totally freed up, walking in, driving herself, and, and, and functioning really good, and with this open heart, and, and then she went on to help out others who were abused. That was the start of her rage. Oh, wow, that is an amazing story. Have you seen a correlation between certain conditions, certain diseases, and certain emotions? Like for uh, her, fibromyalgia and rage. Right. So is there any, any other correlation with other diseases, for example? Awesome question. Um, so everything around us works in patterns. It's really nothing more than patterns. We just got to see the patterns and know the patterns, and then we start seeing predictability of what's going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And, and so... The, in, with fibromyalgia, is mostly in females. So something that's mostly in females, what would be different about that compared to males to start with? And so you'll find with fibromyalgia, the key organs that link into it are the uterus and the liver. 
those are the two key organs I find that link into it. And, and then the uterus kind of mimics the liver. It likes to, to include influence the same side of the body that the liver influences, the right side of the body in particular. And so um, the thing I find interesting with people like autistic, people with autism, uh, people with fibromyalgia, their body likes to hold on to the toxins. They have the hardest time of letting go of toxins. And I, I found, for example, we used to do uh, the electronic foot baths in the office. To, to, and, and, and I found that when, when you did the foot bath on a person who was autistic or had fibromyalgia, it looked like we never even started the thing. Nothing happened. Wow. And I thought, I thought the foot bath was broken or something. It wasn't broken. It was simply their bodies will hold on to the toxins too much. Same thing with people with mental disabilities. You'll see the same thing. Their body holds on to the toxins, just don't want to let go. Once we started freeing up the sensory system more, they, their foot baths were, were like sandbars. There was so much stuff coming out. It was like little tar pits. I couldn't believe it. And, and so the ability of the body to let go, if, 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 if their bodies are in this fight or flight pattern, they don't want to let go of anything. They can't. They're still in that survival mode. You have to get their body from survival mode over in the growth mode before they even want to start letting go of stuff. Oh, that's so well said, isn't it? Like, uh, you know, in the homeopathic world, they see that, you know, usually 70, 80% people, you know, they can able to release, but then there's a 20, 30% of a so-called container. They yes. love containing and they don't want to let go. And then they start getting corroding inside mm-hmm. and then all the start leaking is happening, right? Mm-hmm. So well, how we can release those the containers, you know, into that field, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's... that's- you know, they have the 80-20 rule. In chiropractic, we talk about that also, that, that 80% of the cases, 80% of the patients that come in, 80%, no matter what technique you use, you'll get results. But 20, 10% will be the same, and 10% will get worse. And so the way I looked at it was, okay, well, what happened to the 10% that were the same and the 10% that got worse? What did we miss there? And so that's what kind of got me looking at the sensory system to see, look for answers. And um, what I find with those is really interesting. So there's a lot of good emotional work being out there with different emotional therapies, really good stuff. But what hides underneath the emotions, what right underneath it is the mental stress. Mental stress sits right below the emotions and then metabolic stress sits right below the mental stress. And, and what's really interesting about it is that emotions will go up after any different organ. For example, a person with grief, it'll go after the lungs. A person with sorrow after the heart, anger after the liver, fear after the kidneys. You know, and so it's very precise. You you won't see fear go after the heart. No, it goes after the, the kidneys and the bladder. And so it's very precise where the body will store those emotions. But below the emotions, you have two mental stress points. Most people have two mental stress points and two metabolic stress points. And that defines what they feel the majority of the time, regardless of what happens in their environment. They will feel certain things because of that. So, for example, um, let's say a person has a liver as a as a uh, one of their mental stress points, and let's say heart is one of their mental stress points, and then uh, metabolic stress points. Let's say uh, the first, the primary metabolic stress point is the thyroid, and then the secondary one is the adrenals. So, the strengths of that that gives that person they they take on the strain of those in their environment. They they have a warrior mentality. Because of the liver, it gives them that warrior mentality. Um, they're they're very good communicators because of the thyroid is close to the voice box. Very good, and they, they like 
variety and, and they're good communicators and they, they put out a lot of energy because of the adrenals. So that's their strengths. When those points, when the body gets more in fight or flight and those stress points start getting more worn out and more stressed, then the body will start, start creating the feelings, the negative feelings tied in with those organs when they're strained. So with the liver, they start feeling more sadness, more guilt, more, more anger. That's the liver speaking to them. You know, the heart, they'll feel more alone. Even if they're around people that love them, they'll feel alone because of the strain on their heart. Um, you know, the, the thyroid will make them feel deep frustration and anxiety, regardless of what's happening in their environment. And then the, the, the adrenal, when it's strained, will make them feel like everything's a struggle and feel anxiety. It's interesting because you only have, with, with males, we only have three main metabolic stress points. With males, with females, we have four. And, and so you get a combination of a primary and secondary stress point. What it comes down to, because of that, your, your males, we have up to six different body types with males because of our metabolic stress points. But females have 12 body types because of these metabolic stress points. So that will be the combination of those two because you said yeah. there are two stress yeah. points and then true yeah. metabolic. So by combining those, so the mm -hmm. males have three and females have four. So mm -hmm. then you combine them. And yeah. So where do you come up with this two or how um, is the science oh, behind that? The yeah. two meta metabolic stress or the yeah. two Good stress? Question. <laughs> Good question. Uh, actually, Dr. Bravanel, he wrote a book uh, back in the 1980s called The Body Type Diet. Okay. And he talked about primary and secondary metabolisms and uh when, when I read about it, I'm like, oh, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. And so when I was in junior college, I decided to test it. I'm like, yeah, why not test it? Yeah, he was right on. He was right on. And, but I found it was interesting is that when we got below the emotions and got into the mental metabolic stress points, sure enough, they showed up exactly like you said in the book. What showed up with when we tested it was exactly what he talked about in the book every time. Fascinating, isn't it? Right. So what type of common illnesses, the challenges, the patients come to see you? You know, things that you're really passionate about helping? Really, who, who comes to see me, it's usually those, the, the 20%, who, who they're, they're like, you know, I've tried all this stuff, it doesn't work. And I'm like, well, we just need to go deeper, that's all. And so um, it's just people, you know, it can be really anything out of the sun. The, the wild part is I'm not, I'm not treating that condition. I'm treating them, the person. And, and that's, that's the difference is just simply seeing what their body is prioritizing to, to let go. And so it's quite interesting. Remember we talked about how the weakness precedes the pain? Yes. Well, when you find a weakness, so for example, um, let's say a person has pain in the low back, you know, so you're, you're going to find a lot of times you'll find a weakness of one of the hip flexors or, or both. But when you do, when you do your basic simple tests, you're only looking at really about 11% um, of what's actually happening because every joint in our body actually works around nine modes of the nervous system. There's nine different modes of the nervous system that influence every single joint in our body. So, so here's the wild part. So why I call it sensory work is because our nervous systems are 90% sensory, 90% signals going from the body up to the brain, 
and only 10% motor, 10% signals going from the brain down to the body. So, so the wild part about it is of this, so we're, we're basically sensory beings when it comes down to it. And so of that 90% of the sensory system, 90% of our sense of the 90%. So it's basically when it comes out to 81% of our entire nervous system is nothing more than simply signals going from the body up to the brain called mechanoreceptors. And these mechanoreceptors are in the muscles, joints, tendons, ligaments, skin, and they simply tell the body where is everything in space. So it gives us our awareness of self in space. You know, so we turn off the lights and we move around in the dark. We know exactly where everything's at because of those mechanoreceptors. But they also let the body know, does, is the muscle protecting the joint? Is the muscle, because what stabilizes our joints are the muscles. And that's an isometric strength, not an not a isokinetic strength. It's an isometric strength. And so if you were to check a, a hip flexor with a person just lying there and you say, okay, it's good and strong. No, that's, that's not the problem. If you do the exact same test, but this time have them close their eyes, guess what? A lot of times they'll go weak. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait a second. Okay, there's the weakness that precedes the pain. But here's the wild part. So with the eyes open, that body is in fight or flight. That's fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. When the eyes go closed, that mode is detox mode. Our bodies don't like to do the majority of detox during the day. It wants to do the detox when we're sleeping at night, when it can put the energy toward detox. Yes. And so a person, they're doing just fine during the day. They, they go to sleep at night and all of a sudden they wake up in the morning. They're all sore. They're like, oh, it must be the bed. It must be this. No, it basically means that one of those six modes of the nervous system is not working right. And their body's trying to let them know that. That's all it is. Can we go about, uh, uh, talk a little more? This is so interesting that yes. we will probably <laughs> need multiple sessions. But the basic one, for example, if somebody is going through... Uh, rheumatoid arthritis or an immune disease, correct? Yes. So they usually wake up with their, their must, joints are a little more stiff. Mm-hmm. So with, according to those modes, which ones are the ones that are interfering causing the, the problem? Basically, our body's trying to send us a message. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that message. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So, so patients that Patients that I've seen with rheumatoid arthritis always seem same thing you'll see with lupus, uh, same thing you'll see with scoliosis. But it's it's interesting. It, so our bodies have what we call global torques. So so uh, they know the fascia trains in the body actually do a crisscross, like this, across mm. one side and, and across the other. It's crisscross, as well as they have fascia trains that go all along the length of the body. Well, what happens is, is this torque in particular is some of the most stubborn things because if you look at it, energy, how energy flows is like this. Mm-hmm. It's torque. And so when that torque gets blocked in the body, it will start creating torque in global patterns in the body itself. And that's, that's, that's really a sign of energy being blocked in the system when it comes down to it. That's really all it is. So here's the thing that's interesting. So if you have a right dominant global torque in the system, what that will do is that will make it more sluggish. You'll sleep deep, but when you wake up, you feel like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, I can't wake up. Where's my coffee? I just, I just cannot wake up no matter how much sleep I get. And those people tend to deal with their blood sugar being lower. They tend to have lower blood sugar. They tend to feel more sluggish in their systems. And that's, that's the right torque that will do that. And now here's the thing that's interesting. 
your right, your liver is up high on the right side. Mm -hmm. The kidney, dominant kidney is the left kidney is down low on the left. And, and so of all the different functions you have in your body, all the different modes of the, modes of the nervous system, you have more organs that are involved with detox mode than any, any other function. So the body puts a high prior, priority to compensate for detox. So most people in chiropractic, they said when they get adjusted, I'm sorry, I'm getting off to off sidetrack, but oh, no, just great. <laughs> um, so one thing we were taught in chiropractic college, just watch when the person lies face down, you'll find the right leg is shorter than the left. You know, and sure enough, we call it a right PI, right leg is shorter than the left. And I always thought, no, why is that? How come you don't see it 50 and 50? How come you don't see some left leg shorter than the right? And, and what, what happens on the right leg shorter than the left, that's, a, that's part of a right torque in the system, a right global torque. And so the body has amazing mechanisms to compensate for this right torque because these affect two of the major detox organs, the liver and the left kidney. And so the body will compensate any which way without trying to influence the structure too much more. As a result, now your left torque is a whole different story. So left torque, the body doesn't really put in a lot of compensation mechanisms for that. And so a left torque would influence the right kidney, you know, heart, uh, spleen. That's that's your left torque process. So what I found with the left torque, a left torque in immune system mode is what you see with lupus. You see the same thing with rheumatoid arthritis. And so it's in the immune system mode, creating a left torque. The body's not wanting to compensate for it. And as a result, the body is acting like it's allergic to your blood or is allergic to your joints. Oh. Actually, that's what you're seeing with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. So and the it, different torques, are they linked to the different emotions depending on the, so like I'm thinking if it's the right torque or the, the right mm -hmm. leg is the one that is shorter, those organs that are affected are causing certain emotions to be yes. expressed. Yes, yes. Um, the the torque can happen just from structure. Sometimes it's compensating for the organs. And, and so you can see a combination of both. Um, but here's, here's something really interesting. Um, one of the deepest things in people that they have the hardest time getting rid of is this cycle that goes between the liver and the left kidney. I call it the original cycle in the system when it comes down to it. And, and so where that cycle starts, it starts with the liver and the body carries guilt in the liver. So literally it's this, it's guilt. And then it goes to the left kidney, which is fear. And then it goes back to the liver creating anger or unforgiveness, anger, blame. And then it creates sadness. And that cycle eats people up. It literally eats people up. And it's, it's a vicious cycle. And that's the first cycle that kicks out in fight or flight. When a person goes into fight or flight, these are the first organs that are activated in fight or flight. That's true. That makes total sense. So what I'm thinking is, for example, somebody that they have uh, cancer in their lungs mm -hmm. and, and you hear often, but this person has an amazing health, great nutrition, and they never smoke. Exactly. Never smoke the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. So sadness um, that is being expressing this disease yeah it, that is grief um, but there's also another pattern i've seen pretty consistent with with cancer you you know everyone talks about getting grounded you know so it, when you get grounded you're 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 basically trying to ground into the earth so that, that's part of that groundedness 
but it also depends on which direction your morphogenic field is moving. So these toroidal fields, they can either go like this or they go like this. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's going like this, yeah, you need to ground into the earth because this is the way the toroidal field is moving. Now, if you go this way though, it won't work if you try to ground into the earth. And so what you have instead is something called centering reflexes. And these centering reflexes are right on the side of the body, which strangely enough, the left one has to do with circulation. The right one has to do with the urea cycle. And so the, the, where would the urea cycle come into play with that? It's quite interesting. If you look, for example, Alzheimer's. In Alzheimer's, we have uh, three, you know, three main groups, three, uh, groups of thought as to what's producing Alzheimer's. And one group says is ammonia toxicity in the brain, you know, so they're looking at ammonia toxicity. The next group says it's a virus, you know, and then and you got another group saying it's diabetes of the brain. So, so they're looking at, they're basically looking at the same event from a different viewpoint. It's the same event. So here's the thing that's interesting. So the urea cycle, two of the main amino acids being produced in the amino acid in, in the urea cycle is arginine and ornithine which they know how are tied in with growth hormone production in the system. So the, the urea cycle also, so growth hormone, what does that do? That helps with blood sugar regulation. That's a major thing for blood sugar regulation, growth hormone production. You have the urea cycle also breaks down ammonia, which is very toxic in the system into urea, which is non-toxic. The body can flush that out. But ammonia, that actually is food for the bacteria and viruses. The end products of protein metabolism is, is a smorgasbord for, for bacteria and viruses, which will feed off of it. You know, for example, if you get a, a piece of, of, of chicken, you put it on, on the counter, you put a, a bread, piece of bread on the counter, you put a, a, a carrot on the counter, and you leave them overnight, which one's going to go bad first? The chicken. The chicken, every time. Yes. Why, why not the bread? Why not the carrot? Right. Because the bacteria, their main food is the waste products of ammonia being broken down. They, uh, the, the protein being broken down. They thrive off of it. That's their smorgasbord. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if the person, if the person is not breaking down the ammonia efficiently, efficiently, and breaking down the the protein waste products, guess what? They're given a smorgasbord for the bacteria, and you can have a virus and bacteria overload quite easily because you're you're giving them their food. It's like going to a garbage can and saying, oh, we're, gonna, we're gonna solve this fly problem by killing the flies, well, why don't you empty the garbage? Because that's what the bottom of the track there anyhow. It's exactly. the same thing. If the body's not working things efficiently, you're giving them their food, they're just doing what they're supposed to do in nature. They're supposed to break down the, the protein waste. That's true. That that's, is true. Yeah. And, and so, um, what was the other one? The, the blood sugar, so the blood sugar regulation, the virus, and then, of course, ammonia. So ammonia toxicity, if the body's not breaking it down efficiently in, in the urea cycle, yeah, it's gonna, you're going to have ammonia toxicity in the brain. And so people with cancers, it's really interesting. The centering reflexes, I find that out, those are out every single time with people with cancers. Regardless of where the cancer is out, the centering reflexes are out. And, and how you feed the centering reflexes is quite interesting. Um, on, on the left side, now, once again, I'm not treating cancer, I'm treating the person because I'm just peeling off layers, but I'm seeing patterns develop as we're doing this. And so with the urea cycle, the key thing I found to, to work with that is something called Arginex from Standard Process. It works really good to help the urea cycle. The, on, on the left side, though, with, with the circulation reflex, um, something called Cyruta Plus from Standard Process works good. 
But also there's something from, from a, another, there's an herb called artemisinin. And so mm -hmm. artemisinin does wonders on the circulation reflex. And so quite interesting, if you look on artemisinin, you even go on, on Amazon and you look on artemisinin and see people reviews, what did they give it to for their, for their animals? Cancer. They give them artemisinin to help with their cancer. So I find it quite interesting how all this kind of links in what the body wants for different reflex points. So we, what you've seen, the disease starts and then you, the process to get rid of the disease, it doesn't come, it's not the physical level first. The physical level will be the last one to heal, correct? Yes. So how is the process um, in, in the healing of the person? Um, what, what I find is the, uh, you know, so once again, who, who taught me uh, beginning of, of, of sensory, to understand the sensory system was a doctor by the name of John Brimhall. Uh, he uh, was known as the miracle man of the Southwest. And cases that Mayo Clinic couldn't figure out, they would send to him to have him see if they could help him out. And he said, this is the way our bodies work. The emotions influence the chemistry, which influences the structure. And so you have to address the emotions. And so, so I asked him, I said, have you ever gotten anyone all the way through the emotional layers? And he said, no. So then I said, well, if you haven't got anyone all the way through the emotional layers, then how do you know there isn't something deeper than that? You don't, you don't. That's true. And what I, what I found is what sits underneath those emotional layers is mental and metabolic stress points. Mm -hmm. And those are the defining factors. So those is what keeps the body in its fight or flight pattern, no matter how good you're doing is forgiveness, which is super important because unforgiveness puts the body in fight or flight right away. And, and so once we get the body to undo those mental metabolic stress points, basically undo that program that's been in their system since they were in the womb, literally the body starts letting go and we just follow it as it goes along a very precise roadmap and give it nutrition where it hits certain roadblocks, adjust it where it hits certain roadblocks and we follow the body at, at its pace. And that's one of the biggest things is following the body at, at its pace. You know, some people think, oh, I wanna be healed up in two days, two months. I was like, oh, that's not our choice. That's our body's choice. When it comes down to it, it will decide how quickly it wants to heal up. But we just have to go on the right pathway, you know, for it to decide what it wants to prioritize. So um, when people go see you, mm -hmm. what will you do? Because we're talking about this is the, the mental and the emotional, those deeper layers, layers. Like when you go to a chiropractor, they do maneuvers and 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 the bone and mm -hmm. they, uh, I mean, the structure. So when they go see you, what is the difference when people go see you? What do you uh, mean different? All right. The, the, the key difference is that I tell, tell them that I can't help them unless they choose to walk in forgiveness because there's really nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. It has to start there. And, you know, the strangest part is that the, the, and I tell them, I say, when I wake up in the morning, I forgive myself, I forgive everyone else, and I just walk in it. It's like breathing. Mm -hmm. And so guess what? We're always hardest on ourselves. Yes. Well, the biggest person we have to forgive is ourselves. Really. It's true. And, and so once they get that, and then we start working on stuff below the emotions, that's when we start seeing things change, but we follow the body's pace. So most patients, I'll see them about, on average, about every couple of weeks, because that's usually what I find pretty smooth with their body's pace or their body's being a little slow to let go of something. 
I'll say, okay, we'll see you in three weeks or we'll see you in a month. It all depends on what's happening. Now, when usually when I see them more often is when the structure is now wanting to get caught up with what's changed in the sensory system and the chemistry. So as the structure wants to get caught up, then I'll see, see them more often. I'll give you a perfect example. Just recently, uh, a patient with a uh, neuropathy and, and she, she wants to, uh, um, she, she, she's a very, uh, active person wants to run and stuff, but, but the neuropathy is totally inhibiting her. And so, you know, I've seen her every couple of weeks, every couple of weeks. And I told her when the structure starts to shift like crazy from the pelvis down, that's when I'm going to see her more often. But right now your body's wanting to work on the chemistry reflexes first. So we're going to let those, we're going to follow the body's pace on that. And so about two weeks ago, all of a sudden, her body started shifting like crazy. No, nothing had changed with the neuropathy. It had changed. It was totally the same up to that point. And then when the structure started to want to shift like crazy to line up with the other two, I said, okay, now I'm going to see it twice a week because things are going to start shifting faster. And literally the second week, she goes, oh my gosh, it's improving. And she goes, oh my gosh, it's just getting better and better. I can't believe this. But we had, now if she started walking in unforgiveness, guess what? Her system would just go totally backwards and reverse just like that. Wow. So, you know, this is so fabulous, all the information and the knowledge you're providing. So, what, you know, people who are watching or listening, because mm -hmm. we had an associate with Dr. Dave. I want to see him because of this. So in the context that we treat so many, you know, so many disease, you know, in, in the community. So what was the most impactful cases, the things that you like to share, people get associated with? Oh, because of that, I want to go see Dr. Dave. So... I had a patient come in and he, he uh, usually to get the pelvis, when the body goes in fight or flight, the pelvis will shift forward. And, and just to get the pelvis to shift backwards took six months, excuse me, four months to get his pelvis to shift backwards. Usually we do that on the first visit. And, and so his system, what happened is years earlier, he was in a really bad car accident, should have died from the car accident, ended up getting a tainted blood transfusion, ended up getting AIDS from the blood transfusion. And so, so he comes in, we were getting the pelvis freed up and he was really good at keeping his appointments. And all of a sudden he, he, he missed his appointments. And, and so I called, no, no answer. You know, I'm like, I hope he's okay. And, and so the friend of us came in and said, oh yeah, you know, he's, he's in the hospital. What? He's in the hospital. What happened? He goes, I don't know. He's in the hospital. So it was about a week or so later, he comes in and he said, uh, he goes, well, I guess you heard I was in the hospital. Yeah, I heard. What, what happened? And he goes, well, uh, I, I was at a, um, a funeral and, and there was right next door, there was a, a lot of uh, fumes, diesel fumes that was coming over and, and, and it made me feel all sick. Went to the hospital, they did a, a, a look and they found out that actually when they did my blood test, they found out I had AIDS. In fact, not only did he have AIDS, they, they, well, they sent him up to University of Washington and there at UW, they, they, they did tests on him and they found that his CD count was seven, CD4 count was 17, which basically means you're dead. And his viral count was at 800,000, which means you're dead. And so they, they said, Hey, there's nothing we can do. You're too, you're too far gone. Um, you know, get your life in order. You know, we, we don't expect you to live more than two months. And so he comes in and he tells me this and I, I said, okay, well, you know, we're going to do what we do. Forgiveness. We're going to keep freeing up the system. And, and let the body strengthen up and see what the body prioritizes. And so every every two to four, two to four months, I believe it was every two months, he was going up there getting tested to see what was changing in, in the in the blood cell count and the viral count. 
And so two months later, he goes up there and his, his, his CD4 count went from 17 to 170. So it did this huge jump up, but his viral count was still at 800,000. It hadn't changed. And so the researchers there were saying, okay, this doesn't make sense. They expect the viral count to go down before the blood cell count to go up, but that's not what happened. And so they said, well, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm forgiven. I'm walking in forgiveness. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting adjusted and I'm, I'm optimizing my diet. And they're like, well, that doesn't work. And they said, according to your test, it is working. So they said, well, you know, no one's ever gone from 17 to past 200. So the 17 on the CD4 to past 200 on the CD4 count, it's never happened. And he goes, well, we'll see what happens. Cause he started to realize that things were changed around to good. Well, within a couple months, it goes and gets tested again. His, his viral count went up to one, his CD4 count went, went from 170 to 179. His viral count went from 800,000 down to 200,000. Now they're really getting confused at this point because they're saying, okay, this does not make sense. <laughs> yeah. Bottom line, his, his, his CD4 count ended up going past 200 and doing good. In fact, he goes, how come when everyone gets sick in the office, I'm the one with the, with the weakened immune system, but I'm not getting sick. I'm like going, because uh, you're working with how your body's supposed to work. That's all. Oh, um, amazing. That is uh, unbelievable. You know, people think it's a miracle story, but it's no miracle. Once you figure out the patterns, exactly. figure out what's underlying, yes. it's a secret. You know, this is what we need to able to understand, expand the knowledge, awareness. Yes. Yeah, when we our design is for us for our hearts to rule our heads and our bodies to be congruent with that. That's our design. When our heads are when we walk in unforgiveness, it makes our heads rule our hearts. It puts us out of sync, and the, and the sensory system literally starts imploding upon itself. It has to. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes, beautiful. Yes. That's true. And our bodies are amazing, and they can heal themselves if we provide them and give them the opportunity to do it. Right. Um, when you talk about, so something that it will be good for people to know that they can do at home to be mm -hmm. able to start working on their life and healing their, mm -hmm. their bodies. Um, one of the things is definitely forgiveness and forgetting, yeah. forgiving themselves first. Yeah. You talk about alkaline, alkaline diet. Mm -hmm. Alkaline food. Um, what, what I mostly focus on, because my focus is sensory work. I don't do blood tests over here. We're just simply, our hands are full with what we need to do with the sensory work. Um, here's one of the key things I tell patients. Our, our bodies are biocomputers, just like a smartphone. It's a biocomputer. And we have, as a result of stress, doesn't matter if it's mental, emotional, mechanical, chemical. If the stress is high enough, the body will create fight or flight apps, just like apps on a smartphone in the sensory system, chemistry, structure, or a combination of all three. And when the body forms these fight or flight apps, they run 24 seven. They don't turn off, they're run 24 seven. And the more the body's in fight or flight, the less it can heal. And so if we're gonna work on removing these fight or flight apps, we gotta keep from creating new ones, or we're just gonna spin our wheels. We're not gonna get anywhere. And so, so with the sensory system, how you keep from creating new fight or flight apps in the sensory system, Simply attitude forgiveness to herself and toward everyone else. So that's a third of the picture as far as keeping from creating new apps. With, with chemistry, how you keep from creating new apps is keeping hydrated. Hmm. Hydration is how you keep from creating new chemistry apps. And so I tell them to drink at least, you know, two, two, two quarts of water a day, keep their systems well hydrated. 
super important. With structure, now here's something really interesting. So with structure, how you keep from creating new fight or flight apps in structure, well, how, how the body creates fight or flight apps in structure to start with is when we're in fight or flight, the pelvis will shift forward, it will jam up, the hips will torque in, and then the shoulders come forward. What the body's doing is simply going in the fetal position. You're going to have food poisoning, you're going to be in a fetal position. Emotional stress gets really high, you're going to be in a fetal position. It's a protective response by our bodies. That's fight or flight. But with structure, when our structure goes in the fetal position, it doesn't create a fight or flight app until the feet tighten up to that pattern. So I tell them what they do is just simply get a golf ball, put it on the floor, roll the foot on the golf ball, each foot, just sit down, roll the foot on the golf ball, each foot two to four minutes once a day. And, and I tell them in precise, more to get the most out of the golf ball, work the right foot in the morning, two to four minutes. That's going to help them process water better, helps them get more energy. So the right foot's the gas pedal. It's going to get them going. And then at night, they work the left foot anywhere, anywhere where it's tender, two to four minutes on the left foot. The left foot is the brake pedal. It's going to calm down. It's going to lower down the irritation, help them sleep better. And so they, by keeping the feet loose, you cannot create new structural layers. It's totally impossible. So you're basically massaging and doing like activating all of those reflex, reflexology points. Yeah. Anoreceptors. You got it. Any, any of those, the whole, whole thing. Cause when it comes down to it, that's just how our body, how that's how our bodies create these fighter flight apps. We, we could talk on this forever. Oh, um, right. this is, amazing. I mean, everybody, yeah, this is uh, so hot. Those three tips, you know, you can yeah. start begin start healing yeah. or process of start healing. Mm-hmm. Then you can go yeah. see Dr. Dave to really help him, you know, you know look, scan through it, see what layer to involve, right? and it over to, goes to the journey. So could you share with us how can I contact people can contact you? Any social uh, media, website? Uh, our, our website, Hidden Valley Health. Uh, it's in Bellevue, Hidden Valley Health, and uh, that's our website. Um, our uh, uh, phone number is 425-590-9114, and we're just off I-5, uh, I-405 here in Bellevue. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much, much for joining right. us. Thank Thanks for having me.